I recently was told that one definition of a family is a group of people who genuinely love, trust, care about, and look out for each other. A little bit of crazy, a little bit of loud, and a whole lot of love. That sounds like the perfect description of my dairy goat friends. On this week's episode of Goat Gab, Cameron and I take a lighthearted look at the different types of people that make up our goat show families. I bet you can find yourself in our fun discussion. Welcome back, Goat Gabbers, to another exciting rendition of Goat Gab. As always, I am your co-host, Cameron. And I'm Laura. We're so happy to be here again, as always. Um, truly, this is, especially this time of year, one of the highlights of my week. I mean, it's always it's always fun to do this, but um, we're into the goat slow season, I think, right now, other than breeding. So it's, yeah. it's exciting to be part of Goat Gab on a weekly basis. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, it gives the people something to talk goats about, uh, or think goats about. And I think that's what makes this podcast kind of refreshing to some people, is that they want to get uh, an hour or two of, of, of goat talk uh, per week, because you can truly never get enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can never get enough goat talk. Uh, yeah, like our shirts say, you can never get enough goat talk. Um, <laughs> as for those that have ordered the shirts, thank you. As for those that have said, hey, maybe not my size is there, um, I have talked to our manufacturer. Um, they are kind of on a static. Um, as they get more sizes, they add them to the store type thing. So feel free to check back as well as check in different colors as well. I did understand that there was not a lot, a lot of plus sizes um, in some of the short sleeves, but there I was assured that some are in the long sleeve there. So feel free to check back in that. Again, I have talked and I've worked uh, with our vendor that we're using on that. But remember, we are going through a vendor, and we are not doing we are not doing this on demand in the Maple Wind Caprine sweatshop. So, um, just remember that. Yeah, I'm excited to see the shirts. I'm going to order myself a long sleeve one now. Wear it to convention. Awesome. Well, yeah, maybe if we want to get a day together at convention, and everybody, if they have a go get shirt, feel free to wear it. That's right. And if you're on my airplane and you see me get on with a goat gab shirt, you know where I'm going. <laughs> don't feel free to stop her ask her some questions as the director of district five <laughs> she, she is there for the people that's right i'm there for the people <laughs> i'm really excited you know it is the last convention that i went to i think was 1990 1991 that is a long time ago oh yeah like you were a yeah. top were you, were Wait, you 1991? Really? Um, I wasn't born yet, Laura. So. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh my gosh, am I old? Jeez. <laughs> Laura, you look so good for 35. <laughs> Depends on the day, Cameron. Depends on the day. So, hey, so what's new with you on the farm? Um, nothing. Kind of dead. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's breeding season. Uh, yesterday we bred like four goats in one day. Um, which will mean that we will have babies on my dad's birthday, which for some reason he's excited about. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> so we've read some goats. Uh, we're continuing to breed some goats. But, Laura, do you remember last week when I made a solemn promise in order to AI a goat? Uh-huh. That did not come to fruition, sadly. Cameron, what happened? Um. So, you know, you know how you had a problem with bucks? 
Yeah. yeah. So, so did Catherine had a problem with bucks. So I go out there the day after uh, the, the the eve of the AI that I'm going to do, and what do you know? She's flirting with danger. I mean, the Toggenberg buck. So, and I'm like, how did you get into that pen? So I'm I, I'm trying to convince Catherine that she's kind of got a little bit of a problem. You know, it's just miserable because you think you have it fixed and then something happens to prove you wrong. And of course, by the time you figure out that you do have a problem, the deed is done. Yeah. It's just, it's miserable. Yeah. It's, it's demoralizing. No, I was like, I was actually excited through my work day on Wednesday. I was like, let's do this. Yeah. AI. Yeah. 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 And then when I got there and I saw the book and, Flirting with danger, I was like, "Oh no, the buck's not the buck's name is not danger." By the way, um, but I guess that's what we'll call making recorded grades when they're not supposed to be recorded grades. Oh, yuck! And then you're, you yeah. know, then you're stuck with: do we leave the breeding? Do we, you know, back up and try something else? I, I don't know. It's just, it's just yeah. a hard decision. It is, but I think again, it's important to say, "Hey, listeners, like." We get it. We have those same problems as well. And, you know, it doesn't mean that we're not going to learn from them. It doesn't mean that we're not going to work to improve ourselves. So, hey, you know, we make mistakes or we necessarily, we do our best within our budget. Because we all can't have sprawling land and big houses and, and, and big barns for all the bucks. And then, you know, 50 feet area afterwards, you know, are, are no barns. So, I, I, you know, we're doing our best. Oh, you're totally, yeah, totally true. Totally true. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, um, just, and then one thing that I noticed as well, some of our weird breeders are starting to manifest. Like we had, um, this got one this week that came in and she hadn't cycled yet at all. It was October. I'm like, okay, this seems weird. So like, I call that weird. Um, we had some that are like coming in off cycle which is weird. And I always, and Laura, I have a question about kind of off-cycle breeding. Like they don't stick to 21 days. Have you noticed that in heavier producers that tends to happen? I haven't. It it really doesn't, but I'll have to watch that. To me, it seems like there's really no rhyme or reason Mm -hmm. um, to those funny breeding breeder cycles. Except it seems like for in my herd it happens earlier in the season rather than later in the season. Okay, I would say like, I feel like it happens later in our season than it does earlier. Okay, huh? I, I'd be really interested in talking to a repro person that can maybe explain explain short cycling or animals that cycle weirdly yeah. on their own. I'd like yeah. to know more about that. Yes, I would too. Um, but just just our weird breeders, like I, the short cyclers, the goats that haven't cycled, but it's weird not to see a goat cycle. Have all your goats cycled, Laura? All of them, yes. Okay. But, you know, I I think everybody probably has these in their herd. There are some that just are really subtle in how they cycle. Yeah, they're just, they don't scream. They're just like, yeah, I'm kind of flaggy, you know, maybe a little, like, tenderness around the vulva area, but nothing like, nothing like. Come find me, boys. Right. Or I have a doe who really never flags to the bucks, but she rides the snot out of the other toes. I mean, that's like, <laughs> she's crazy, crazy with them. I'm like, you're weird. Stop that, you know. But that's usually what tells me she's in heat. Or she'll let yeah. them ride her, you know. Oh. Um, 
but would rather not be with the boys. So I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. And she always, I mean, I always get her bread and she does just fine, but I find those, those type of animals really challenging for AI work because it's hard to know when the best breeding time is for them. So. Yeah. Well, you did some AI work this week, right? We're not going to talk about it. Oh, okay. Cause if we talk about it, then it won't stick. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And I really want this of of all the, if I have to prioritize all of my AIs, this is the one that I want to stick. So, uh, well, and Elizabeth Sonnen's because, you know, we really don't want Alpine Sonnen crosses. So, um, but you know, the ones that I've done so far, we're not going to talk about this, but um, okay. we did. So Maple Wind had a first today. Okay. Uh, we had a doe who is a recipient of, an IVF or an embryo. We had an embryo put into a recip today. This is the first time that we've done that. So, and, and how old was the recip? Uh, it was one that we had harvested last year. Um, we, we got lucky and were asked to, um, be part of a, a learning opportunity on using some sorted semen. So it's supposed to be a girl for sure. And um, I'm really excited about this breeding. So we'll see. I, it's going to be hard to wait all those days to ultrasounder, but you know, just as soon as I can, it'll probably, I'll probably wait until after convention and then I'll ultrasounder and I'll be like, Oh my gosh. Yay. You know, so exciting. Well, yeah. So did you put, how old was the, the recip though? She uh, was a two-year-old first freshener this year. And it's actually one of Elizabeth Sonnen's that she offered. So that's one fewer that I don't have to try to um, AI. Yeah. <laughs> I just find Sonnen's really difficult. I've not settled a Sonnen yet. So I don't know if it's a, a head case problem with me. I, you know, I know I've, it could be, but I just find their timing to be very different from Alpine. So um, anyway, she's a two-year-old and came through it with flying colors. Just, just did great. Madeline got to watch the procedure. So that was really cool. So that's kind of, kind of what's going on here. So, Oh, and my other, my other thing this weekend, um, I made my scones. So if you're a friend with me on Facebook, you know that that was a goal that I had. I don't know why. I just always thought it would be cool to make English scones. And so I did. And they were really yummy. There you go. Well, they looked good. I'll tell you that. I'm super <laughs> jealous of that one. Well, I'll um, have to make them for you the next time you head this way. Yeah. Um, Laura, um, what did you, you bought something this week and we're going to, we were going to talk about it on the podcast. I did. Okay. So, you know, we've already established that I'm old. <laughs> um, I learned well, again, that, well, 37, Laura is not that old. Okay. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I learned how to AI from a gentleman named Thurman Jaggers. So if you're old like I am or older than I am, that name might mean something to you. He was kind of a pioneer in goat reproduction and uh, lived in a beautiful place in, in Kentucky. And um, anyway, he taught my AI class. And so the equipment that I learned to AI with was an AI light that had a long skinny light that you clipped the side of your speculum and I learned using glass speculums and that's I had good success with it and I really like that and over the years my AI light died and my glass speculums broke 
And so when I decided I wanted to, to start doing AI again, oh, and I should back up the AI gun that I used was one of those French guns that had the little two inch needles that went with them. Do you know what I'm talking about, Cameron? Have yeah, you seen those? Okay. No, I haven't, but I know what you're talking about. And they quit making them. So you couldn't buy sheets and you couldn't buy the needles for them anymore. And so I was out. So I really just decided I'm just going to buy a whole new AI set. And my brother-in-law Stanton had really good results with the set that he got from Biogenics. And so I ordered the whole set and I've, I mean, I've got a, quite a few conceptions from it. It's been fine. I just am not comfortable with the light and the speculum. Now, having said that, I am not, I don't mean this as a criticism to that company or the speculum or anything that they put together because it's a cool system and I'm sure it's a lot of what you're used to using, but um, I purchased the old kind of AI light that I used to have and I ordered some more glass speculums because I just, I just want to go back to what I'm the most comfortable with. So I don't know. Okay. What do you think about that? Well, so I'm on the opposite end. So we had the biogenics um, kit and that's all we've really ever used, except we used at one point instead of a, like a glass speculum, like a PVC pipe speculum that was that was not translucent, so that we couldn't really see like a lot of mucus and stuff with, with the walls or anything outside. Um, and then when we got the kit from uh, Biogenics that came with that, um, it's more of a it's a speculum that's more of a uh, what's it, like not fiberglass but like uh, plastic. Like transparent plastic. Does that make sense, Laura? Yes. And it has that nice little bullet-shaped insert, yes. for lack of a better word, that yes. you can move up real well. And it seems to go in really nice and smoothly in there. It and it helps to introduce it things. I mean, it's it's really a cool idea. And it, as I said, I've had good luck with it. Yeah. And I, I like that. And I, I don't – I just – I feel weird with the glass speculum. Like I think – I feel like that would be like – cold entering a goat's body i don't i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm weird like that maybe it's like cold and i i feel like something's gonna happen and it's gonna break inside the goat and i know people are gonna comment on this on this episode and be like well that's never happened to me and i get it but you know i do maybe i do always think about horror stories uh, that is a concern and of course then there's the other part of it too if you have one of those goats that um expresses her displeasure at the whole AI process very easy for her to take a flying kick and that speculum goes flying and, and, you know, very easily could break. So I get that. Um, one of the, one of the reasons why I want to at least have a glass speculum on hand to try may, and maybe, maybe I'll try it again. And I'm like, Oh gosh, no, this isn't good. I don't like this, but, um, I like the smoothness factor of it. There are times where I feel like that, that little, edge on the plastic speculum irritates the walls of the vagina as I'm trying mm. to do my AI because I've seen a little bit of blood and I know that it's not that I've been overly harsh and it's not on a virgin dose. So I don't think that's what the issue is, but I just wonder if, if the glass speculum might be a little bit smoother. I don't know. Mm. I don't know either. Um, I, if goats could talk, they'd tell us. Well, I'm sure they would. And they probably would say, if you're going to use a glass speculum, warm it up a little bit, which, yeah. you know, sure. <laughs> yeah. So I was just, I, you know, I felt like it might be an interesting little subtopic, uh, talk about speculums and, and AIing and whatnot. And um, I will say, I would rather have almost like a pen light or something that would attach to the speculum as compared to the big biogenics 
um, flashlight that's kind of bulky, but but you stick it in there, but you have to hold with one hand, um, and then you have to hold the straw, and it's 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 a lot of handwork when you're when you have the light and instead of clipping it there, and you're trying to just use the gun and you're you're holding the flashlight with your mouth, and yeah, it's a mess. Do you not have the little black insert that holds that light in there? No, I didn't know that was a thing, or at least my dad hasn't oh. told me it's a thing. He's going to listen to this and be like, we have that, Cameron. <laughs> well, I'll have to send you a picture, because the light that I have is is a small light, and it's narrow, and you just, and it's bent, so you put the light in the speculum, and then you have this little plastic, uh, almost like a little collar that you insert on it that holds the light for you. Where the heck has this collar been all my life? <laughs> Oh no! And you can buy them from Biogenics; they'll sell them to you. So, anyway, maybe you have a different kind of light than I do. So, we'll have to talk about that offline. And and yeah. for our listeners, if there are things, if you have some suggestions or some thoughts that you want to share, hop on our Facebook page and make some comments. So, I learn yeah. a lot from the comments that our listeners put on there. Yes, and even though we don't respond, we do see them. We do. I do comb through them weekly or bi-weekly or, or when I'm bored at work. My boss doesn't listen to me, though, thank the Lord. Your boss doesn't listen to Goat Gab, right? No, she doesn't, actually. It's kind of sad. Yeah, you should tell her. She might give you a raise. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, um, not a lot happening in Abga yet, um, but I did have noticed that we've gotten more and more in year-end reports that are popping up. Yeah. Yeah, and the, we got a big one coming out there. Type report. The type report is calling for a um, break in the scorecard. Gasp. Yeah, it's kind of that's kind of a really big deal that if you don't watch for it, you might not notice it. Yeah, I totally agree on that, and it's something that I think um, they've actually been working towards for a couple of years. I think so too. And actually um, I think that Trinity mentioned it when she was our guest earlier this summer. Yes. Yes. I agree on that there. Um, So what they're trying to do in this report, and and we'll kind of give you the short brief here is they want to do away with the stature on the general appearance and put that as a subcategory into dairy strength and then allocate the points from stature into the back and rump category. Does that sound like a good sum up there? I think that's a great summary. And, you know, um, I know that one of the reasons, one of the justifications that they said was because stature is not something that is looked at in linear appraisal. They only look to make sure that the animal meets a minimum or maximum in the case of Nigerians breed standards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense as well. And what we've seen, I would say, Laura, you've been in this longer than I have, but, you know, we've seen a a shift towards bigger goats and bigger goats um, doing well in the show ring. Yes, like constantly. And I think, too, it would be hard to find people who could argue against the statement I'm going to make. Though if you want to argue against it, that's fine. Especially judges that are newer. Well, I'm not even going to say that. You just hear the comment, taller, longer, taller, longer, taller, longer, all the time when you go to a goat show. One is placing over two because she's tall, a longer and taller doe. I'm like, okay, that's two, stature is two points. 
Now, you can argue that, that length of bone and bone pattern is part of other areas of the scorecard too, but to just put an animal up because they're the tallest and longest animal in the class, to me, is really sloppy. Yeah, it, to me, it says that you don't have anything else to talk about in a placing compared to what there is. And there's so many things to talk about when it comes to comparing animals. And there's so many things on the scorecard to talk about in addition to that. So, you know, there's always other things to say. Am I going to sit here and say as a judge that I've never used that before? No, absolutely not. I've definitely used stature before. And if you've shown under me, you know that. However, however... At the same time, it's a little bit of a cop-out. Well, it is because, frankly, it doesn't take much skill to see what animal is the biggest animal in the class. Or the longest animal. Or the longest animal. And then on top of that, you know, if, if form form follows function, or you, you should say form should help promote the proper function of a dairy goat, do those bigger and longer and taller animals really milk more than a smaller animal? I don't know that you necessarily can say that. Well, and I think back to, again, a friend of the program. He doesn't listen, but he's a friend of the program because he's a friend of both of us. Craig Coltman, he doesn't breed the biggest animals. He doesn't necessarily want the biggest animals because it costs more money to milk a big animal than it does a small animal. Yes. And, and Craig will tell you that. I, I know that I've heard him say that. I like, I prefer a moderate sized animal. Yes. Yes. That is his big thing. And so, you know, I might look at Craig's goats and be like, hey, they're kind of small, but they're kind of small every year. Um, but that's how he wants them. And he does very well at the National Goat Show every year. He does well at local shows. I mean, he was best in the show at the Iowa State Fair. So like, you don't have to have a big goat to win. I think this is kind of taking it to the next level. And, you know, Craig's a dairy man. So, you know, and I know his goats have to milk. I mean, they have to be profitable. So um, he he would know if those bigger animals would be a more profitable animal for him to keep than others. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to have him on at some point. I'm going to tell my, I'm going to keep telling myself that. <laughs> so if you're friends with Craig, tell him that, that, you know, he really needs to be on Goat Gab because he's, yeah been on our short list for a long time so we just need yes, to convince him that it would be a fun experience for him so yes we're, he's dodging us um yeah. that's the big thing there that's the big thing there uh, from a type committee i encourage you to read that i encourage you to, to get educated on that because that could be a big thing that's affecting and if it does and if you do see it as a problem or a, a good thing talk to your directors about it i know one director who is a co-host of a podcast who would love to hear feedback on this I would, because I, I, and I really am interested in hearing both sides of, of that story. You know, if there's a reason that you feel like stature needs to stay in there, then I want to know that because I, I always love broadening my horizons and, and hearing all sides of an argument. So yeah, make sure you okay, take I, over. I have one more question, a bit of a hypothetical here, but do you think with this inclusion, we will see judges go away from continuing to pick bigger and taller goats or do you think they will continue to pick that just because it's very aesthetically pleasing to the eye? Wow. That's kind of a loaded question. I don't know. Cameron. <laughs> I really, I, I really need to think about it. You know, I guess I would hope, I would hope what the result would be is something that you don't necessarily see now. You may have two animals that are, 
beautiful. Both of them have lots and lots of strong points, but that taller, longer tips the scales and into the favor of that bigger animal rather than leveling that playing field between a bigger animal and a smaller animal. So I guess I would hope that this will allow for some more moderate sized animals to really shine. Um, You know, have you ever noticed that, well, and I think we all see this at a national show that um, class that is, is over like the seven and over class is such a small class, but I would, I would say that those animals that are great, big, huge animals, you don't find in that class very often. No, I was actually, it's funny you said that I was looking at my old Dockberry, um, who, you know, uh, not very moderate sized doe, um, but incredible feet and legs still, even at her age of like nine. And I'm like, okay, like this, like she can still hold the test of time there with the incredible feet and legs. So yeah, that's a good point to bring up, Laura. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if it passes. And then, you know, maybe in a year or two, we can revisit that topic and see if that has really made an impact on judging. You know, I would say the last big scorecard change that I can remember um, was dairy character into dairy strength. And I think we did see some animals and some judging choices that were a little bit different because of that. Do you think so? Yeah, I would say so. I was kind of on the cusp, I think, my first year with Gary Character, second year with Gary Strength. So, um, it, it, yeah, we did see a little bit of a shift there, I would say, in the mindsets of some people. Uh, I think there needs to be a continue of a more shift towards that, um, because I do think some judges still have that Gary Character in mind and compared to Gary Strength. And I sometimes don't think that some judges um, really understand what strength is. Again, I'm not pick, I'm not trying to point that out, but I think that strength is something that really needs to be emphasized on. And maybe that's just my opinion, is because I breed stables, and stables necessarily have not been known for the most strength as a breed. Right, and I can see that in a lot of breeds. You know, sometimes people people will say dairy strength, and and what you're really looking for is an animal that can sustain a long life of high production but you don't want them fat. So you need that balance between strength and um, dairy, dairy characteristics that we know are correlated with high production. So it's, yeah, it's, it's something to think about, something to explore. Yeah. A little bit of a tangent, but that's, that's good. Good discussion. A little bit. Um, so online convention registration closes tomorrow. So make sure that you get your registration done if you're planning to go to the convention. Yeah, absolutely there. Uh, And then Laura, anything to follow up on the meeting for last week concerning um, NG progress? Um, You know, no, I I will say, you know, as a, as an elected, but not yet seated director, I really just spent time listening and, and trying to learn. There's a lot to learn. Um, but um, it was really a good time of education uh, from our executive director, Lance, and some of the guys on the IM committee. And um, they did a good job of kind of giving the directors a picture of where we are, what things are next, next slated to be taken care of. Um, probably a happy on a happy note, 
we're hoping that by the end of the year, show wins will be processed and ROAs will be processed. So that's kind of exciting because, you know, I know in the scheme of things, show wins really aren't a huge deal. I mean, the biggest deal is being able to have animals registered and the integrity of our herd book. But to know that things like um, ROAs and production awards and things like that are going to be on slated to be processed, that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah. So just more to come. I, I feel like that at least the directors are going into the board of directors meeting, uh, feeling a little more confident that they have the questions to ask about NG and the next steps after that meeting. So um, I know some people have, have stated a lot of frustration that there really hasn't been a lot put out about that meeting, but there really isn't a lot to share at this point. It was more just inform- information. Gotcha. All right. That's cool. Laura. Ready for a fun topic today? Yeah. So, you know, sometimes in life you have the best laid plans and then you have to back up and punt and take a different direction. And that's kind of what we're doing with this podcast tonight. (laughs) Wouldn't you say, Cameron? Yeah, we had a guest lined up. Um, We had some technical issues and that's fine. Life happens. We get it. Like, like we get it. Um, But Nonetheless, we have a great topic. Laura, what are we talking about today? So we're going to talk about different types of show people. And, um, you know, this is this is all kind of fun. Uh, you know, shows for most of the country, not all the country, but most of the country are wrapping up or are finished. Um, and this is kind of a fun look back on the types of people that you're going to run into at shows. And I would just bet that as we go through these different groups of people, you're going to see yourself in there. Or you're going to see your friend or your family member or, or people that you know. Uh, I know I see myself as a lot of these people, um, <laughs> especially a couple of these. So, Laura, let's start with the first one that I see you in. That is oh, the show see- mom. That is the show mom, right? I- I think I think this definitely was me probably two or three years ago when all my girls were 4-H and FFA showers, um, definitely the show mom. So um, it cracks me up, though, Cameron, because the first comment you put on our little outline that we were going to talk about, you said whites looking pristine. And um, <laughs> I, I would laugh and say it probably depends on the time of year. Uh, certainly at the first show, they always start out that way, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, towards the middle and definitely at the end, they do not look so pristine, would you say? Yes, especially, you know, it, some of those stains are just impossible to get out. Um, I can remember, however, as a show as a show mom, one year finally find, finding boot cut Levi jeans for my daughters. And I had... I had some of those for Elizabeth and I had some of those for Madeline. And I was so excited because it, at that time it was just really hard to find bootcut jeans at all. And um, we took them to the national show in 2014 down in Louisville. I was all excited to have those. And one of my daughters decided that it was okay after she was done showing her goats, still had her new white pants on to go help somebody else wash their goats for the show the next day. Oh my in those god. Pants. So they got soaked, uh, right? Yes. Well, they're wet pants. What are you going to do with those? You're going to put them in a garbage bag. Yeah. And then you don't want that garbage bag in with the rest of your dry clothes, so you're going to put it in the back of the pickup truck. Yeah. 
and it's going to ride home there. And well, you're tired when you get home. So you don't necessarily unpack the truck for a couple days. Yeah. So this beautiful white pair of Levi's sat soaking wet for probably four days in the back of the pickup before they got taken out. Oh no. So to all the moms out there, you know what I'm going to tell you. They were mildewed. They were disgusting. They smelled, they were gross. And I was in tears. I just, I had no idea what I was going to do, but you know what? Um, a hot water sink full of OxyClean two or three times, and those came back white. So a mark of a show mom is that you really can get stains out of just about anything. Yeah. I, You know, one thing, and I've noticed this more, especially I'm going to pick on the state of Indiana. They are they come with the show whites in, like, a, a garment bag. Like that's that's how you know you've like reached mom level one hundred in my opinion of a show mom. That you have a garment bag? Yeah, garment bag for your show lights. Like I never thought about that growing up. I love it. And they're probably ironed and starched too. Yeah, that's that's how you know you've reached that top level there of show of the show mom. Well, the show mom also has the tide pin in her back pocket. So yeah. She can pre-treat all the really nasty stuff on there. Um, she knows how to braid hair like nobody else if she has daughters. Yes. My mom does not, but she has sons. So. Well, I'm glad she didn't braid your hair, Cameron. <laughs> there were some days when I had the frosted tips she probably wanted to. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'll have to show you the picture of that. Sometime. Listeners, that is not for public consumption. Um most but, importantly, she has the best snacks, right? Yes, the snacks. That is the most important thing. In the, and it's always something you wanted, like Cosmic Brownies, Big Cosmic. This is, we are a pro-Cosmic Brownie podcast, wouldn't you say? Oh, yes. Yep, you got me so, hooked on those this year, so those are good. Oh, they're, they're so good there. The, they always have the snacks. They always know exactly where they are as well. And if they're forgotten, she always brings them. Right. Yeah. So if you're, if, if you forgot them or your show mom forgot them, find another show mom. She can help you out yeah. there. Usually have lots of snacks. The next one, in addition to the snacks, we, we would say if we were a family, which we are a show family, uh, it'd be a close relative of the show mom, but it's the potlucker. Oh yeah. Those are the ones that like you walk through the barn and you're like, I don't know where this scent is coming from. But I've got to find it because my mouth is watering. This person knows how to cook. Yeah. And it's always like um, they have the best food. And they usually have like more than enough. Um, We had a potlucker, I would call them, on our show circuit growing up. She always made like breakfast in the state fair. And that was great. I know Joe Brown does it in Missouri as well. Yes, he does. Oh, to die for. Thank you, Joe Brown. You have saved my family from starvation many times on a morning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah they're the person to see for breakfast usually a breakfast casserole uh, uh maybe a, a a hot cake and sausage you know uh you know just a big potlucker and they've usually got enough food for enough people and they normally have multiple meals right and like these are the ones these are the moms that like well it doesn't have to necessarily be a mom obviously joe Um, But these are the ones that usually plan out their meals a long time in advance. And 
like maybe made stuff up ahead of time and have it in a Ziploc bag. So they just transfer it to their crock pot. And, and I know that for me, these are the people that when I've spied that crock pot that goes on about 10 o'clock in the morning so that, you know, you can grab lunch whenever you need it as you're showing throughout the day. I'm always happy to show for those people because they're usually the ones who say, have you had lunch, Laura? Do you want something to eat? Come on over here. I mean, those are the ones you just love. Yeah, I agree there. That's, that's, that's the one you want to be friends with there. Um, right, I would right. also say some of us, depending on the show, we might turn into the potlucker. Like I am not a big potluck person. I am not a potlucker, I would say. However, if I'm going to the Indiana State Fair, I may turn into a potlucker or I might get with some friends and we might potlucker it out all week because that's just what we do. Or we make friends with potluckers and then we have just a grand old time there. Well, and you know, hey, maybe that's a topic for a future podcast is show food and what you can do to make it. So if you are a potlucker extraordinaire and you have some stuff you want to share with us, we might be we might be looking you up because there yeah. are people who take it to an art. It's not just lunch meat sandwiches there, Craig Copeman. God, he's getting a lot of love today. <laughs> is Craig a lunch meat sandwich kind of guy? He, he is a lunch. He is definitely not a potlucker. He would be a lunch meat sandwich and a Mountain Dew type of guy. Chocolate milk in the morning. I've, I've been to enough shows with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I used to be really good about packing um, in our cooler lunch meat and, you know, things to make it. And one of my daughters, I don't remember who, said, Mom, enough with the lunch meat. We don't eat the same thing every meal. We are not livestock. So <laughs> you know, that, that comes up about every time. We are not livestock. So. Oh, but I love lunch meat. Like I think lunch meat sandwiches are super underrated at Gocho. I agree, especially if you have some jalapeno chips to put on the sandwich. <laughs> some chips, so nice, nice little sandwich. Always do the hamburger buns, not the, not the bread, the hamburger buns, because I like, because you can pre-make those. Sure you can. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the way to go, for sure. Yeah. You have to have string cheese, too. I don't know. We always take oh. spring, spring cheese to shows. Yes. We we used to do cheese cubes. Okay, now I'm getting hungry, and I have dinner right here on my, my desk. <laughs> well, that's, you know, people get pretty intense about their food at shows, and that kind of leads to our next type of show people, the yeah, intense the one. Yes, the intense one. That I, mean, I think I can be an intense one. Laura, what about you? It uh, depends on the show. Okay. Like national show, that is me. I'm 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 not nice. I it's I'm not a nice person. Mm -hmm. Ask my daughters; they'll tell you a really bad story about me. But anyway, well, I, you know, we all get like that. I feel like, and it's and it's we stress because we want to do well, right? Yeah, we want our even though. Right. But then we have to look back at the fact that stressing doesn't help anything and it really makes it miserable for everybody. But yeah. still, yeah. you know, those, those intense ones, they don't eat, sleep or sit down until the show's done. Yes. I feel like don't the first show. Oh, God. Well, I was going to say, don't ask them questions because you're oh. just going to get that glare. No, don't ask them questions and don't try to like be interact or social with them. Um, because they they don't want to be social. They don't want to talk to people. They want to just focus on the goat show, which which is me sometimes. Yes, which is probably all of us sometimes, depending on the show. Um, yeah. When I was 
when I was talking about this personality with my daughter, Madeline, she just kind of looked at me and she said, the intense one, they regularly clap their hands at their show team. Let's move guys. Or they like, or they're like sidelining and they're like the show and they just get so antsy. They're like, okay, let's go. Let's go. Come on. Get your goats in now. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Come on. Can I help? Can I help get these? Like they are just constantly wanting the show to move faster. Yes. And, and don't have a lot of patience for people who meander. Yes. That is, that is a big thing of the intense one. It's okay to be an intense one. I, you know, I can be a bit of an intense one too, especially my goats have a lot of milk in them. Yes. Oh gosh. Yes. Yeah. But you know, Cameron, do you not think that maybe that's more of uh, not so much of an Alpine thing because we show first (laughs) again, Laura, no one doesn't like Missouri like y'all do. Oh, okay. So we're just weird. Alpines always show first. Yeah. Like our, I don't feel like our Alpines ever show first. Wow. Maybe they might be like in the first rotation or something. Uh But I don't know if they'll like ever show first first. They might. I, it just kind of depends on the show. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, whenever it's showtime, I feel like the intense one's like, let's go. Nine o'clock. We need to start on the nine o'clock. I have my goats uttered to the hilt to the T looking good for nine o'clock. Let's go. Right. Don't piddle around. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And that's fine. It's fine. Again, totally fine to be the intense one. Just it is. remember that you're intense. Right. And, you know, to the people who are around the intense one, it does no good to say, calm down, lighten up. You're fine. Quit being so intense. Don't be so nervous. Just soothe them over and know that once the show is underway, things will get better. Yes. Yes. That is the best way to handle an intense one. Absolutely. Part, you know, a cousin of that intense one, is the strategist. Do you know anybody oh. who like this? <laughs> this may, may or not have been me before. <laughs> well, um, I was taught a long time ago that, you know, when you go to a show and you get all your animals settled in and everybody's kind of down for the count at night, that's a good time to just make a calm meander through the barn and just kind yeah. of scoop out that competition. I've taught oh, my daughters yeah. to do that over the years. Um, you know, when they got old enough that I thought they could do it subtly with me, you know, we just go walking through and kind of take a look and think, Oh, wonder if that's a three-year-old Alpine. Hmm. Yeah. Is, yeah. That kind of thing. You know, uh, we call it, we usually call it a lap. Like, let's take a lap. Um, yep. and, and it's always like, you know, it's always late at night. You know, there's usually not a lot of people around. Like, I remember when I took my lap at the first show of the year, and I was like, okay, where are all these people? Mostly because it was like 32 degrees outside. But um, the the biggest thing about this person is that um, they, again, they're always worried about the competition, I feel like, in their mind. They won't, they might not show it, but in their mind, they're thinking about the competition. Right, right. And, and they think about who do I walk in behind in the show ring or yeah. what do I want to go in and first or do I want to go in the very last or how does this judge show? And I would almost bet you that many of the strategist type people have a show book or a judge book rather. Do you, do you have a judge book, Cameron? Uh, what do you mean by judge book? 
you know, a book where you write down different judges and what kind of animal they look for and how you've done under that judge and comments that that judge has said. Wow, that's intense. Am I am I in your judge book? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> yes, I would like. <laughs> Uh, this is kind of dark. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest with you, Cameron. I, I don't have a judge book. I have a okay. mental. I have a mental judge book. I've really not ever sat down. I mean, I have a no-show list, but as far as a judge book, like to to the um, pig royalty degree, if you've watched pig royalty, you know they they talk about this big book that they have with all the judges they've shown under. I don't have something like that, but I bet you that there are people that do. Yeah, I would. Yeah. You know, I don't have a judge book per se, but again, I have that mental list of me. Like I won't drive five hours to go show under this person or something like that. That's generally my rule of thumb is, will I drive five plus hours to go show under this person? Oh heck, I've got some that I wouldn't judge. Wouldn't go across the street to show under. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, but, you're real. Right, but, I, but I like I like what you said last. Is they plan out what show to go to, uh, shows to, and which animals to show specific judges. And there is all the gamesmanship here. There is. You you kind of have to. I mean, and I think it's something that you have to get over time. It's not something that you can get in the first year, or maybe even the first five years that you show goats. But after a while, you kind of learn. Oh yeah, I can walk anything that has a big udder under this judge, or I can take any animal that's an aged doe under this judge, and they just eat it up. They love that, and you know, you kind of learn that after a while. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's important there to just remember. It's like, and again, it takes time to become a strategist. You don't, you you don't become the strategist at your first goat show. No, Mm-mm. it don't like, really don't. Try to do that either. Yeah, but I, but I think thinking about a person at their first goat show, there's the newbie, which is, it's perfectly fine to be the newbie. Oh yeah, we were all newbies. Yeah, they're eager to eager to learn, but they're pretty. I don't want to say scared, but apprehensive. Apprehensive, yeah. They they don't want to like, step on somebody's toes. But they're not quite sure where they should be, maybe, or what they're doing. So they're going to watch, and they're going to try to learn. They do a lot. The newbie generally always does a lot of watching. Like, usually are sitting in the bleachers for the first couple breeds. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, which is, I think that's a really bright, intelligent, smart thing to do. Yeah, I think that there. One thing I often hear from the newbie is, is they can generally be younger, or maybe it's you know uh, uh, the the first time the the parent and the kid are going to a goat show, and, and they all you might hear them say, "Oh, we're just here for practice for the county fair, or state fair, or something like that," and that's fine. I encourage them to say, "Hey, you know, let's let's keep practicing here, or give them some pointers or other things like that." But the newbie is to me one of the most important people at the goat show. They are, and I think. Those of us that are beyond that newbie stage, just re- remember to be kind and gentle and welcoming. I mean, that's one of the things in my mind that stands stands dairy goats apart from maybe many other types of livestock is that we're just so warm and we're just nice people. You know, we're really friendly and, and want to help other people succeed. And, um, 
you know, one of the best things that I think that we can do is if we need somebody to help show an animal, even if it's just for a group class, reach out to those newbies. Say, hey, yeah. do you have a moment? Could, could you could you take an animal in for me? And, you know, help them learn, help them know what, what to do and what not to do. And give them that opportunity to succeed with, with your animals, too. I generally grab newbies because they don't know that my goats are crazy sometimes. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, and you can, and I think it's okay if you have those crazies to say, look, she's never been shown before. I just want her to get some experience in the ring. So there is nothing that you can do wrong with this goat. It'll be fine. Yes. But I think on the opposite side of the newbie, there's the old hand person that's been there, done that. Right. And usually they're the ones who just exude that, that smooth confidence. They, you know, they might not be an old person, but they're very wise in what they're doing. Um, you know, they're, they're the ones that, that everybody looks at them and thinks they are cool as a cucumber. Yeah. They're just they're like, okay, we're going to show whatever. They're just, they're smooth, but they know exactly where everything is. They know what to bring to the goat show. They know, they know the location. They've probably shown at this goat show three to a hundred times. Um, they, they just, they know it all and they're just pretty even keel. Yeah. And if you need to know where the, the closest farm supply store is or the closest Walmart, they're the ones to ask because they know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the old hand there. Uh, Laura, um, which one? Which one of our next ones would you categorize yourself as? The myself? Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes I kind of tend towards the overprepared. Okay. Um. You know, I don't care if I'm packing for myself or packing for my goats. I tend to overpack a little bit. Um. You know, there's. I usually have a lot of stuff for might need rather than things that I know that I'm going to use. Um. Which serves me well sometimes, but sometimes just makes traveling and, and bringing a lot of stuff, um, a, a lot of stuff to unload. And then we get it unloaded and, and my daughters especially are like, we never even used this. Why did we take that? You know, kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, the overprepared one. I, but I mean, everybody has one of these and they always have the things for any contingency stunt noses. Maybe they've got some bump respiratory problems. Maybe they've got um, some GI tract issues. Um, you know, they know how to handle it all and usually have something to combat combat everything. And I would say if you have an overprepared person, be friends with them. Right. Because just as soon as you forget something, they're probably going to bail you out with it. So it might even be an extra milk pail or a feed feeder or something like that. You never know, but, but yeah, I tend to do that and I'm, I'm trying to get better about it. But yeah. It's kind of yeah. mean. Do, yeah. do you see yourself yeah. somewhere that we haven't talked about yeah. yet? Oh, for sure. For sure. There's a couple of them actually, but I think the biggest one is the social butterfly. Oh, are you a butterfly? I don't, I wouldn't call me a butterfly, but I'm social. Um, once the work is done, I generally try to be social because that's just the, the type of person I am. Um, I like to plan. I like to include things. I like to get together. 
I'm generally the judge at a goat show that will like message the other judges and be like, hey, do you want to get dinner tonight or something like that? Because one, judging is lonely. And two, um, yeah, it, it, it's lonely. <laughs> it's not only lonely for you, but it's lonely for the other judges. So I tend to be the social butterfly. And then we just talk goats. Believe it or not, goat judges, after a long day of judging goats, we go and talk more goats. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Now, I, I would say that one of my daughters fits this social butterfly, um, or at different years has fit the social butterfly category well. And I'm not going to say which daughter it is, and I'm just going to let my girls hash it out when they want to. Oh, but. I know. I think I know which one this is. Please don't say it, because I like all oh, my daughters okay. really well right now. So. <laughs> It's, um, it's even. How about that? <laughs> right. Um, one of the one of the negative aspects of a social butterfly, though, is that they may disappear when there's work to be done, like yeah. milking or unloading stuff or loading stuff because they have people that they need to go see and visit. You know. Yeah, I like um, to call that networking, Laura. Okay. Oh, okay. So networking takes um, precedence over the mundane. But somebody yeah, has to do it, right, Cameron? Yeah, somebody has to network. And that's what Catherine's like. She's like, you're off talking to people. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, I am networking, Catherine. This is very important. <laughs> well, it is important. And you know what? You're right. It is important just, you know, to have a balance. Um, I will say also, though, sometimes those social butterflies lose track of time. Have you ever had that problem? Uh, uh, gosh, we have another Craig Copeman story. So I was picking up a goat from Craig Copeman at one time. We met at a Hardee's in in Mount Vernon, Iowa, and we sat. And I, we got there at noon, and we sat and talked for three hours at the Hardee's. Didn't even think about anything else. And then all of a sudden, Craig looks down. He's like, "It's three o'clock. I gotta go milk a tower. Oh no. So, so yeah, but I mean, there might be times when I'm up having a conversation until two, three o'clock in the morning at a goat show, um, because we just, you know, we're, we're social, but we love to talk about goats. <laughs> goat gab on overdrive. Yes. Goat gab on overdrive. Exactly there. But the social butterfly is one that generally knows everybody as well, or they know them, which isn't a good thing. And again, my fiance Catherine, she, she really doesn't like that I have a podcast. Sometimes she's like, everybody knows you. And, da, 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 da. and I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, like, that is that a bad thing? Um, well, it can be, but. <laughs> but, um, you know, generally the social butterfly, most people know, um, or they're easily embarrassed, which is me. You know, though, the nice thing about a social butterfly, they really can help boost your herd um, image your herd sales. They're usually the ones who will bring somebody over and say, Hey, so-and-so is interested in this line of animals and would like to make a reservation on this or, or something like that. I mean, those, those networking opportunities really do benefit your herd. So I don't want to yeah, sound like yeah. I'm totally against the social butterfly at all. Cause you know, no, they, they're, they, just, they're they just forget too. that they have to milk goats. They just, they always forget to say about chores to do. <laughs> That's right. But if there's other people who are doing chores, I guess it's okay sometimes. Yeah. Huh? Yes, absolutely. I think close to the social butterfly is the laid back party animal or low key party animal. You know, sometimes I wonder about the low key party animals and I can think of several in my head. Sometimes yeah. I think 
they would have just as good of a time if they didn't bring their goats at all. Oh, absolutely. There, I you know I feel like we're gonna have some we're gonna target some people based on this list, Laura. <laughs> well, and I don't not that they don't have beautiful animals because they do, but they get probably more enjoyment out of partying with their buddies at a show than what they do actually showing those animals, which is great. I mean, that's that's fine. Yes. Yeah. And I know that. that, that, that yeah. The years that I didn't have goats, um, when I was a young adult and was temporarily goatless, um, I went to a lot of goat shows without goats and had a great time. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. You could show for somebody else so the yeah. person wasn't on you, but you still enjoyed your friends. So, you know, that's something to think about, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great going to a goat show without goats. And I've, I've been that person before. Um because they can be the social butterfly or the laid back party animal. Uh, but generally these people generally stayed till stay up pretty late at night. They do. And if you're, if you're somebody who has to get up early in the morning, you may not want to pin next to, to the known party animals or send them somewhere else in the barn no. to party, especially if they bring yeah, their beer pong that, table. Yeah. I don't know who would do that. Um, oh. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just uh, find, let's just leave it to say up. it happens, okay? Yeah, it does happen there. Uh, generally, their cooler is stocked with adult beverages. Um, and um, they like to have a good time. And, you know, I feel like these laid-back party animals have gotten us in trouble at times. Yes, I think so, too. I think so, too. They definitely um, have. <laughs> and they definitely have gotten themselves in troubles for times. And Typically, yeah. they're not yeah. the ones that show the first breed of the day. So in Missouri, they're That's typically the not alpine breeders. Yeah, that is the truth there. Yes. So that, that's a laid-back party animal. But you know what? These laid-back party animals, though, they are a vital in a show community. They are, because they remind us not to take things quite so seriously. Yes, they do. They do. And a certain laid-back party animal snapchatted me when I said that and said that they feel targeted. I will not say who that is. <laughs> well, I know there are some party animals in my life, and they know that I love them anyway. And um, maybe someday I'll, I'll lose a little bit of my intensity, and I'll come party along with them sometimes. So. Yeah, but I feel like you need the laid-back party animal to just lighten up, lighten up yourself a little bit. For sure. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, Caroline told me that I also need to include a little bit about the educator. Do you have yeah. some educators at your shows? Um, some of them do. Um, you know, they, and I, I think about it like a lot of like state fair level. So Wisconsin does a, um, like a herdsman award or, or they call it the chairman award. So basically they give out um, a prize to people who win the chairman award um, and that's based on like educational displays and posters and, and whatnot there. And I really think the educator takes it to another level. Oh, yes. Um, they like to teach about them. And um, I'm going to pick on Caroline a little bit. When she was small, her sisters used to say the only time you'd ever see Caroline willing to milk goats at a show is when she had people that she could educate about milking goats because she really shined at that 
at that role. She always enjoyed doing that. And um, of course, you know, now she, she bilks a lot more often than that, but um, back when she was a little one, that was the time that she was there when she could teach somebody about how to milk a goat or, um, you know, how much fun it was to milk goats and so forth. She was the ultimate educator. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and I think there's an important one there, um, whether it's, you know, at like a club show level or like a state fair, county fair level, I think there's always a place for the educator, whether it's with newbies or whether it's with the general public as well there. Um, you know, I, I really think, you know, at every good show, there there can be a good educator. There can always be a teachable moment as well. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, isn't that really what goat shows are all about is enjoying each other yeah. and enjoying all the different personalities. Cause you know, frankly, if we were all the same and treated shows the same, it would be just darn boring. Yeah. I mean, if we did not have the potlucker and the social butterfly, I mean, how would we, how would we feel if we all were the intense one? Oh gosh, it would, that would be miserable. <laughs> that would be bad. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what you are or if there are multiple um, people at a goat show you are, because I see myself in, in a lot of, in some of these as well. Um, not all of them, but some of them. Um, but it doesn't matter what you are because we all make up a goat show family. We do. And I, and I can say there is not a community that I would rather be, that I would rather be part of than our goat show community. As corny as that sounds, that is the God honest truth. Yes, it is. So thank you to the listeners this week, whether you're a show mom, the potlucker, you know, maybe you're an overprepared one, or you could be the laid back party animal for listening to us this week. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed a little fun, whimsical episode, a little different than some of our um, normal the educational program, but nonetheless, uh, something to, uh, to chew on this week. For sure. And we'll come back with another fun episode next week. So as always, find us on Facebook, like us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to us, um, give us feedback. If there's something that you are just um, totally eager to hear about, we want your ideas too. So thank you for being part of our Goat Gab, Gab family. Yeah, and as always, have a great week, everyone. See you next week, guys.